Welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast, your weekly show in 2021 in season four, where I bring to you recruitment owners, uh, advisors, suppliers, uh, the latest uh, innovators across the world within our within the recruitment industry to really unpick what it takes to grow a modern, scalable, successful recruitment agency in 2021. I'm delighted to be back. Last week I was back on my own. I, uh, I did a quick episode, 30 minutes. Hopefully, if you're if you're watching live or you're, you're listening to this, you you tuned in and, and understood what what this this year is all about. Um, and today's episode, um, I'm I'm pumped because I'm joined by um, my my newest member of the Hoxo family, Joel Lalji. Um, Joel calls himself the human headhunter. Um, has been in recruitment for over five years. Recently flipped into working in the same space as me in Hoxo in terms of more content branding for the recruitment agency market um, and having multiple conversations over the last sort of three to six months, me and Joel decided he was the right guy to take Hoxo to the US. So Joel, welcome to the RAG podcast. Great to be here, man. This is so long overdue. So it's it's great to be on the show. It is. It is. And for those that are watching on YouTube or on, on LinkedIn Live, because you were wearing your um, your horrendous Liverpool top, I thought right, I'd right, put right. my Manchester City, I put my Man City kit on as well. So uh I'm, I'm, we're showing some real, uh, some real rivalries going on right now. It probably, it probably surprised you that I was a Liverpool fan. I mean, maybe not because yeah, they, they had yeah, a good year. Hey, everywhere, they're fucking everywhere, aren't they? Let's be honest, they're absolutely everywhere. When I, so I grew up in Manchester in the in the nineties, and uh, as a as a Man City fan, when when Man United were unbelievable, and, yeah. and we were talking just before, like nineteen ninety nine, I was at Wembley when Man City played Gillingham in the second, <laughs> the second division. Second division playoff um, final, and, and we won it, and, and thankfully we won it. And then, um, you know, I, I remember City being awful. Now, you know, we're one of the best clubs, the biggest clubs in the world. But um, growing up, I didn't really know any Liverpool fans. We didn't really have them. We had City and United, and we had a few random supporters and a few Stockport and Oldham and Rochdale and Bolton and Blackburn. But we didn't have any Liverpool fans. And then when I went to uni in Sheffield, I met a few. But then when yeah. I went to London... I went to Australia, came back to London, and, and they're everywhere. Like literally, London, Liverpool and United. You're kind of just, talking about them like there's some sort of like disease or, or something. Well, like COVID, it's like the original <laughs> COVID nineteen. Um, anyone who's listening to Liverpool fan has just just pressed off, just deleted it. Um, but uh, so so, what makes you support Liverpool? Yeah, so I'm originally from Blackpool. Um, so obviously, everyone in the UK is familiar with Blackpool. Nobody oh, in the yeah. US knows where Blackpool is or has ever heard of it. English uh, Riviera. My mum lives there. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 amazing. You know, I I tell people it's like the Vegas of the UK. Oh yeah. Uh, without any of the money and just a lot more drunk Scottish people. Um, but yes, I. But my granddad, he actually um, he lived in Liverpool, and a lot of my cousins live there, and so it just just kind of made sense. Although one of my uncles is a really big Man United fan. So he, he was pretty mad that uh, I became a Liverpool fan. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm not, I'm not like a fair weathered fan. That's what they call them in the U S you know, it wasn't, it, it wasn't like I turned a Liverpool fan because they won last year. Um, nah, it was nah. a long, hard road. Just the year before when you won the Champions League. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Well, look, we'll talk about football. We'll talk about a lot of things. But, um, Joel, you, you came onto my radar probably about 
I don't know, it was about six, seven, eight months ago. I saw you on LinkedIn Live. I saw that you were doing some stuff and yeah. who is this guy? You know, I thought you were, you know, you were putting out some really cool content. So I was interested to find out what more about you. So um can you for the listeners' benefit, tell us like how did what's your story? How did you get into recruitment? What what, what, yeah. what did it all kick off? Yeah, so I I actually came from the banking industry, so I was doing a lot of uh, like mortgage loans and then just running a bank. So I did that for about five years and banking industry is probably the same as the UK where it's super regulated. You know, you got to wear a suit, tie, yeah. you just, you you know, it's super professional and uh, just kind of burned me out. I mean, I was doing long, long hours um, and the pay was okay. Uh, but I think it was just grinding numbers for three hours in the evening, every single night. It just, it just got to me. And one of my mentors slash friends said, Hey, I start, I just started up a recruitment company. Um, and he had been in recruiting for 10 years. So he, you know, he was like, Hey, I just started off this recruitment company. We've got a new kind of recruitment billing model. We think it's really going to take off. Uh, you should come work for me. And, uh, you know, at the time I was living in Southern California and he was living in the Midwest. So it meant moving back to, uh, to the Midwest. And uh, yeah, after after a couple months of just thinking about it, I just decided, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna make the move. And so that, that was five years ago. And so I really like anyone else. I think I just fell into it. He said, I said, I have no, I've never done recruiting. I don't, you know, I've recruited people for the bank, but I haven't ever done actual recruiting. And you know, his classic answer, and he's a Brit by the way, and his classic classic answer was just, you'll figure it out. You know, you'll yeah. you'll be able to do it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I you know, kind of got thrown into it day one. What were you focusing on? So I, at that time, I was more of a generalist. Um, and the way that they worked is actually a really different type of billing model. So you, obviously, you got contingent, you got retained, you got, you know, staffing and, and contract. These guys actually had a model where you would uh, basically work hourly uh, and you dedicate 10 to 15 hours on each search. So I, uh, I'd get assigned four searches and then I'd bill 10 to 15 hours per search. And, uh, and I, we, you know, just for an hourly rate. So it was a really, really unique billing model. And the, probably the biggest differences were like, obviously in contingent, if you don't like the search, you can walk away. Uh, but obviously if you don't fill it, you don't get paid with this model. Uh, you never got to walk away from a search and you got paid up front. And there's a lot more accountability. So we'd meet with our clients once a week. We'd have to give them updates on where all their searches were. And uh, and because of that, the company grew a lot. So in the five years I was there, we started with six people. And I think that they must be over 80 people now. So, you know, in that five-year time, saw a lot of growth. Revenue kept growing and growing. Uh, but it kind of gave me a unique perspective to recruiting because I think a lot of people in their first couple of years, they get thrown into it and they got no idea what they're doing. Oh. The mentorship is garbage. You know, it's basically here's a phone, make it happen. And you know how it is. Twenty percent of people do do well. Eighty percent of people just fail out. Yeah. With yeah. this model, it was a little bit of a I, I I built really strong relationships with hiring managers in the industries that I focused in. And I'd work with clients for two or three years at a time. So I, I really I really feel uh you know blessed just to be able to learn that side of the the recruitment agency world. Uh, and then <laughs> I did that for about five years. And then uh, then I moved over to contingent and I did that for about six months and did fine, you know, made some placements, made some money. But that was that was the breaking point for me. 
I, I didn't like the contingent model and I didn't like, uh, you know, even the culture of, of how things were done. And that was when I decided, you know what, I'm going to, I see so much need for marketing and content that I'm going to make the jump and I'm going to switch gears. Last year, was it early last year? It was, yeah, March this, yeah, March 2020. That's COVID. when, uh, COVID time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's when I, uh, no, sorry, March 2020 was when I, I went in a contingent. So I started contingent in the middle of COVID. So I had my non competes for my, you know, my prior company and had to basically build build a desk out of scratch scratch and uh during covid so it was the worst time you could start and i did that for six months and in september that's when i said you know what there's such a need for this marketing i got i got to jump make the jump so i quit the job and uh you know you kind of you you know the rest of the story from there yeah so we we got in touch and you started your own thing but it was more about you know getting the deal right between us wasn't it and, and bringing you into to, to launch our thing so let's go back a bit in terms of you said that you know you, you realized there was a need for content because it, it reminds me of what i felt but you know, yeah four years four and a half years earlier um what what did you what do you mean by that like what what signs were out there that there was a need for this stuff yeah i think you know obviously linkedin has evolved a lot and so for most of us if we're, we're on the recruiter side of the linkedin you don't necessarily see the news feed as much but i just take breaks you know from sourcing or from messaging people you know and and i'd seen the news feed i started seeing a lot of video content in particular um and then even just looking at all of the written content that was out there um i'd see a lot of young creators on the platform i'd see a lot of people putting out video and then I just, I, I guess I just was connected with so many recruiters as well. And all I'd see from recruiters was job descriptions um, or, hey, these are the open jobs that I'm working on. Or here's the, you know, here's how great our recruitment company is. And there was just such a divide between the type of content that the rest of the creators on the platform were putting on that was getting traction. And it's like every recruiter I knew, knew is like, here's my, here's my blog on, you know how to how to source the best candidates or here's my just really boring content is really what it came down to and then i looked at the company i was working for and they had some blogs but when it came to linkedin content it was like nobody was doing anything and so i think in my mind i thought you know what if no one is doing this there's an opportunity for me to just start doing content and maybe i could be you know a well-known recruiter in the industry and so i just started putting out videos of really basic videos to be honest i mean it was like hey entry-level recruiters if you want to you know if you want to get the right candidate you've got to be you got to make lots of calls and you got to persevere and i just started talking about recruiting and you know those first videos were probably you know pretty awkward and they didn't really do that well but obviously the more and more you do them the better and better you get and it was the same on the writing side i just started writing content about my day i, I just you know here's what happened with this candidate. Here's what happened with this candidate. I started just writing about questions I was getting. Mm -hmm. And again, that content, if you go back to the beginning of my journey on LinkedIn, I mean, it, it didn't get any traction. It was pretty much, uh, it was pretty much just, it was pretty much unengaging content. Yeah. And, and so I started from the scratch and no, but I also realized that nobody around me was doing it, doing it. People were looking at me where like, why are you showing up on LinkedIn? Um, and I just realized like, yeah, like, this is and the firm I worked at, you know, they're pretty progressive and they were trying a new, you know, this new billing option and um, they were big into technology. But when it came to the marketing, there was 
there was no thought of social media or how can we use social media to connect with people. And, uh, you know, and then I started looking around and it was like, I think the only two recruiters I could see on LinkedIn were Adam Posner and you, you guys were the only two that I really saw putting out really, you know, progressive content. I mean, obviously I saw Greg Savage as well. And I think Lou Adler was putting out some stuff as well. Mm. Um, but I mean, that's just a handful of people. And, and I thought, you know, that's where, that's where there's opportunity. And, um, like I said, I started doing it. Everyone in, everyone at the company is like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Like, and it's weird because you start showing up on LinkedIn. Obviously, your first connection, see it first. And um, But then I started seeing people trying to do the same thing. And they'd get to like three days and then they wouldn't have anything else to say. And again, that's when I realized like, okay, you know, maybe I'm more creative than I thought I was. Um, and then that's when I really started seeing the need within the recruitment industry where I think we're just we're such salespeople and we're so good at hunting. Uh, but when it comes to longer techniques and, and more of like that farming and um, sowing seeds for the long term, our minds just don't work like that. Yeah. Um, and so, again, I just I just saw that huge need for that within the industry. Yeah, well, I mean, I was talking about this very thing this morning that I think if you look back at if I look back at myself as a child at school, right, I would have been described as the guy that was really quite you know polite cheeky never ever got really in trouble yeah but I, i'd never talk back to teachers i was polite i was well i was well mannered but they couldn't shut me up right so they the, the amount of times they'd look at me like sean if i have to tell you one more time kind of thing like i'd never get to the point where i'd get you get in big trouble but i was a i was a natural chatterbox it was just who i was you asked me to sit there and write a do a homework assignment and i hated it i couldn't stand it but if you'd have asked me to talk about it i'd have nailed it right and it was it was something that was ingrained in me as a kid, and 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 so when you when you find a job like recruitment and it and it and it plays to those strengths, great. But then something like content comes along, yeah, and you instantly retreat. I remember being at Venquist in my final few years, and the, we hired a marketing manager, a lady called Alex Bigland, who was wicked, and she was like, right, who's going to get involved in the blog strategy? And and I used to avoid it. I'd be like, you know, I'm on the phone, I'm busy, I've got too much going on, and. It was more than anything. It was just fear that I would be found out because I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about, or that I couldn't write. I couldn't write well. Um, we, you know, when when I then decided to start taking the plunge, I leant towards video more because I was more comfortable. It's crazy. I, a lot of people are more comfortable with words. I was more comfortable with with voice. Yeah. Uh, and I've had to teach myself to get better with words. And even now, I still don't think it's my strength. But um, would you say were you naturally more able to sit there and like you know write down what you were thinking and, and create a story or was it something you had to work with others I think, on yeah i think the writing writing to me came really easily and but i think i would see that in my recruitment style as well uh, mm-hmm. you know and so i was really really good at coming up with creative subject lines and creative emails so you know while I, while everyone else is sending hi john looks like you're an expert in the industry looks like you have the exact qualifications that my client's looking for. Do you have time to talk? I'd be like, you know, hey, John, I know I'm just a, a lowly recruiter and not worth any of your time, but you have five minutes to chat. And I started seeing that I'd get good responses because I just did something that I knew other recruiters wouldn't do. And so the writing part came easy to me. I think the video part, the video part did what wasn't too hard, but I think I was just pretty, I think at that time, I just wasn't getting the views anyway, so it didn't really matter. So there wasn't any pressure. And because yeah. nobody else was doing it, 
the the kind of the standard and the standard on LinkedIn in general with videos. I mean, it's pretty low bar barrier to entry. And when I started doing videos on LinkedIn, everybody was doing a 30 day like video challenge. And I mean, I would just, you see these selfies with the camera shaking and I'm like, okay, well, if that's the standard, then I'm, I'm going to fit right in. Um, but I think the, the writing side definitely w was easier. And, you know, luckily on LinkedIn, writing does pretty well. Like if you're a good writer and you know how to write a message, um, those posts do really, really well. So yeah, it's interesting though, because I, ne I never thought about it like that. I think with the video, I think the challenge for most people is, you know, how do you, how do you get a really short and concise message across without going too long? So I see a lot of people make too long a video. Uh, and then you start, then you start looking at stuff like this. Like I got LinkedIn live three months into when I got serious with LinkedIn content and the LinkedIn live, it's a whole different feel because it's more like what we're doing, it's more of a conversation. But I was able to, I was able to leverage that LinkedIn live to start interviewing big names in recruiting because it was before everybody had it really. And so I started reaching out to different people within the industry, starting having interviews. And I did that strategically. So people, as I'd reach out to them, uh, a lot of HR people follow big names in recruiting. And so I thought if I have these big names on my profile, that'll give me more credibility when I'm trying to get into HR and when I'm trying to get into, um, you know, trying trying to get some of these sales. And it, it worked well. Uh, and, you know, I think that's, that's part of, of, creating content like for some reason when you create content you establish an authority it doesn't even really matter what you're saying the fact that you're saying something it, it just builds a natural authority oh. with it but you will i think you've also got to have an opinion and, and you've got to develop on that opinion but yeah i always say that like you know you're split just by saying stuff and having an opinion you you should win 66 percent of an audience because 33 percent will, will agree 33 percent will disagree but 33 percent will just side with you because you had the balls to say something rather than exactly what everyone else is doing um so what was the kind of first impact you saw as a recruiter what was the first signs that this shit was working for you yeah i think i mean it's, it's pretty easy to track because i did a lot of engaging on other people's content as well which i think again you know when you're in when you're when you're in a recruitment agency they're not teaching you how to create content and they're certainly not teaching you how to engage in prospects content as well. And so that it was kind of the both, both hand in hand worked really, really well together. So I was putting out content as I'm connecting with people, I started seeing the profile views go up. So it was a pretty easy thing to track. I put out con I connect with someone, I put out content content. And then as soon as they'd view my profile, boom, that was it. I, you know, I could send them a message because uh, I knew that they knew who I was. So I started seeing that cold outreach just turned into warm outreach. Um, and I have to say, it was probably about nine months into creating content every day. I, I got a job order. Uh, you know, someone reached out to me and just said, Hey, I really, you know, I want to work with you. And I'd, I'd changed my profile to the industry I was focusing in at the time it was construction. And I, you know, I had a tagline headline that said like your favorite construction recruiter. A lot of my content was geared towards that. And yeah, it was, I, I was actually specializing in, drywall so i had like your favorite drywall recruiter and um it was commercial drywall projects which were pretty big you know 30 million dollar jobs uh so the you know the bigger kind of commercial jobs and this um owner of this drywall company just re she reached out and just said send me send me your contract and i said okay so i sent her the contract and we did an intake call and obviously like the hardest thing as a recruiter when you're first starting out is getting that time with a client 
that call was probably one of the best calls I've ever had because number one, she came to me, she asked me for the contract and we spoke for an hour and I was really able to figure out exactly what she needed and just build, build that rapport. And then obviously from that, from that point, as I started sending her candidates, there wasn't the usual, you know, delay in waiting and are they going to interview my person? There's just that trust built right away. And so that took about nine months. And then just through other LinkedIn relationships, all the clients I worked with were from either people I've been connected with for a while who had been engaging with. And, um, and so, yeah, it just, it, I think what it, what it does is it, it just helps you build trust way quicker. Um, and, it, but then also it just, it takes that pressure off when you're working with people because they're seeing more of you every day. And even if, you know, I just think about it, like if I'm able to put out five pieces of content in a week and somebody's able to see it, they know so much more about me without even having that conversation. So I think when people work with me, they'd see my LinkedIn lives, they see my video and they just felt like they knew me right away. Um, and so that helps with every part of the process in recruiting. Cause obviously for us, it just takes, it can take years to build a good client relationship. And so if you've got six months kind of built in there, which can happen with content because it's just you're in front of them all the time. They're seeing other people engage with you. Then as you start to send them candidates, that trust is there so that they're just quicker to interview them. So, um, but I, I'd say nine months, that's how long it took for me to get an inbound lead. And I, sh I showed my manager that and she's like, I've never seen that before. Um, and I said, I haven't seen it before either. This is the first time. But it was, again, that was about three months before I, I quit and went solo. And that was the point that I realized, okay, like this is actually possible. Uh, it just takes time. It takes consistency. But you've also got to think at that point, I just started a brand new industry. And so I had no credibility with that industry. So my advice would be if you, if you've a really solid recruiter and you've got 10 to 15 years of experience and you've got place candidates everywhere, you've got old clients everywhere and, and you're well known in your industry, you start putting out content um you're gonna your your results are gonna be quicker than mine because i was yeah. starting from complete scratch so uh, yeah that's probably, the, that's probably the biggest byproduct that i think recruiters underestimate when it comes to content you know that everyone talks about new business being like the the holy grail you know we get loads of new leads loads of new clients but the question i ask to everyone in i ever work with is and i always get the same answer would you like to have more regular meaningful interaction with your existing clients or maybe the clients you worked with a year ago they always say yes like no one no one could ever talk to their existing customers enough like it's just because you've always got you unless you're completely in account management and you don't speak to anyone new if you're in a 360 capacity you can't concentrate on your existing clients so by having content out there daily they said these people see you these people still feel like they're getting a relationship with you they're still hearing what you're up to they're still getting knowledge from you they're still and and guess what when they have an opportunity that you're going to be front of mind or you're going to be at least in the race of being front of mind whereas if you just depend on shit, i haven't called them for four months like i used yeah. you you know you're relying on your reputation alone and that and that in this market is getting is getting more difficult um what i guess what what sort of time did you put into it in the early days what was your process around like getting it done because it sounds like you were more of a natural email writer than me like my days would have been looking at a screen 
sending it the odd email, trying to call people. Like it was contract recruitment. It was on the phone all day. You know, it was like yeah, ch- ch- chain to your ear. So yours might have been a bit different. How did you go about it early on? I yeah. So obviously, I didn't have any teaching. I didn't have any kind of guide. I didn't have any framework to work off. I hadn't taken a content class. Nobody in my company was doing it. So I had to figure out everything. So in those early days, I was spending four to five hours a day, um, mainly engaging with people, actually. That was because no one was engaging with my content. So I was out there so much engaging with other people um, and really taking in all of the content that was around. Um, So what, you know, how that would look in in a day, it'd be you know, probably an hour and a half to two hours in the morning. That's when I'd write my content. I put my content out and then I'd spend time engaging with, with other people that I'd see in my newsfeed, first of all, because they were active on LinkedIn. Um, and then I'd probably do about an hour at kind of lunch break. Um, you know, and in the evening, I'd just be on the, the mobile instead of, well, not instead of, I guess, while I'm watching Netflix, you know, instead of just completely tuning out with it, I would just be engaging with people in the evening. And I think the engagement part is a big part that people miss as well. And it was a mix. I was engaging with people who showed up in my newsfeed. So I had clients, I had candidates that I worked with. um, And then I also had other creators as well. And so I started building actually a relationship with other creators on the, on the platform locally to me. And um, that helped a lot because a lot of those people then supported my content. So I think that that's a piece that people miss like with LinkedIn, like you have to put in work with engaging with people and you got to have a strategy. So in those early days, it was four to five hours. And um, and then once I got the once I got the the job that I got, the contingent job that I got um, in March, that was in office. So I couldn't just spend all my day on on LinkedIn. I mean, I was going in and doing two hour call blocks, kind of the standard the standard recruit recruitment thing. So at that point, my my usage went down a little bit. Uh, and then I had to do things early in the morning. Had to do it in the evening, and I still do it on on my lunch break. Uh, but that's when I started developing more of a strategy around, okay, here are my prospects and and really starting to track like what my prospects were posting and starting to engage with them. And that that again, it's it's super powerful because when you look at LinkedIn, when people post, they don't get a lot of traction. So if if they've got three comments on one of their posts and then you show up and you're the fourth, they're gonna see your name. Yeah. And, and I would look at the other comments and it'd be like, great post or like, cool, or, you know, just really smart. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to just leave a longer comment here and yeah, more of a question, something that they could engage with. And, um, you know, and that, that also really, really helped open the door, you know, just to some more warm conversations. And, uh, and so, but I, again, I noticed nobody in the agency I was working at, nobody was doing anything like this. And, uh, and so I think it was unusual to them until they start seeing obviously the, the results from that, which is just, it's brand awareness is what it comes down to as well. I'm interrupting this episode of the rag podcast to bring you a message from our sponsor, Audro. You know, by now that Audro are the number one video interview platform for recruiters around the world. Now they keep bringing out new features from Audro capture to Audro producer and it just keeps getting better and better and better. But now, recently, they've just announced a new feature to the platform, which is a complete game changer. During COVID-19, they realized that the recruitment audience, the communication was changing. Globally, their clients and candidates were, were using Microsoft Teams and Zoom more than anything else. 
the phrase let's jump on a zoom call or jump on a team's call has actually replaced the the words video interview for a lot of their conversations over the last six months now they were thinking do we I mean, how are we going to eradicate this? How are we going to make Odro the name that everyone talks about for, for the interview process? And they realized they didn't need to. They needed to integrate. So for the first time ever, they, they're the first video interview platform on the planet that have decided and managed to integrate with Zoom and soon to be integrated with Microsoft Teams. So with one click, after recording a Zoom video, you can now drag that into Odro and create everything else that Odro has from adding the CV, the heat maps, the capture, and the producer elements. You get all the benefits of Odro before and after the interview, but you get to use Zoom, which is client-friendly on all levels. So this is massive. Teams is coming. It's the first time anyone's ever done it in our sector, and it is literally going to change the way you work in 2021. Get in touch with my friends over at Odro at odro.co.uk. Or if you're already a user, reach out to your account manager to make sure you've got this feature. Back to the show. The age-old debate of whether awareness matters and whether it's a real stat and whether it's real ROI. But when you see the views going up, when you see your profile views going up, you see the content views going up, you forget they're real people. Like they're yeah. actual, when you get like I've had people on my academy say, Yeah, I only got a thousand views on that post, Sean. Like, what can I do? And I'm like, how long would that take you to phone a thousand people and just say what you said on that post? And like, what do you mean? I was like, well, if you rang them all and just regurgitated what you put in the post, how long would that take? They'd be like, God knows. I'm like, exactly. Like, it took you 15 minutes to write it. Like, and if you lined a thousand people up in the courtyard outside your office, that'd look quite substantial, wouldn't it? And they're like, exactly. So you can it, it compounds too. I mean, you think about a thousand views a day, you know, 365,000 views a year. And then all you got to do is you got to look at how much ad spend would be on, on Facebook. I so mean, we, to get 365,000 views, you're at least, you know, 10 to 15 grand. Um, and if you've built your network really, really specific to your industry, mm-hmm. then it's a, that's a thousand targeted views. So if you've got 3,000 people in your network and they're all people that you want to work with or you've worked with, good chance those thousand people are all within your target market which is huge. And those views, I mean, those views are a little bit misleading. It doesn't mean that everybody engaged with it, but what they saw was your face and your headline in their newsfeed. And I think that's a piece that people forget. And the more you do that, if you're showing up every day, that's why, that's why you go to my profile pic, you'll see I've got a red banner around it and it's me looking inviting. Why? Because that's going to stand out to people. So event, if you see that five days in a row, that's when you start clicking on a profile. And so you've got, again, in the recruitment agency world, nobody's, nobody's got their marketing hat on. It's all the sales hat, which makes sense because as an agency owner, you want the results quickly as possible. But the problem is, is we're just reaching that age where what used to, you know, 30 calls a day, which could have been the standard, turns into 50 calls, then it turns into 100 calls, then it turns into 150. And you're, the effectiveness of just the pure outbound is it's getting lower and lower and lower and lower. And so you have to put that marketing hat on. So that's why to me, the most, and this isn't just in recruiting, this is in sales and marketing in general. Yeah, of uh, you know, and, and you see this, I think tech is, if you, if you want to look at examples of markets that recruitment should be following, it, it should be the tech market because those guys are always on the forefront of everything. And all of these SDRs, these AEs, they're all active on LinkedIn because they're starting to see, okay, you, the, the, the simple salesperson, you know, of the future, they're going to have to understand marketing as well and branding because 
there's you're fighting you, you're not just fighting against the manual people anymore you're fighting against automation automated drip campaigns there's so much distraction so you have to be able to separate yourself and i think right now content it just makes the most sense and you have i think if you don't learn how to do that in the future when more platforms come out more social platforms come out which they will if you haven't learned that skill i mean you're going to be really really far behind in the future and i think it, you've got to listen you got to think about who you, who you're getting your advice from if you're getting your advice from somebody that's about to retire in five years or 10 years you're listening to the wrong person they're not going to be around they don't care let them do their thing you need to be looking at who are the people who are up and coming Mm-hmm. They're the people that you want to follow. So I think to me, that was really a struggle when I was at this last agency because there was there was all the focus was on the outbound. And I, I, I joined it with a couple of new people who were right out of college, for example. And I could just see like the burnout factor happening in three, you know, in three months, six months. Um, and obviously I had experience going into it. So I was a little bit different and I understood the flow and I understood some of the industry. So I, I did have a, an advantage coming in, but I just think like, why do we have such big turnover in, in the industry? It's because we're, we're setting people up just to burn out at, at the end of the day. And I think that marketing and branding um, and understanding how that fits into the sales picture is, is just crucial going forward. I don't see other way, any other way around it. No. I mean, the funny thing is marketing actually enhances the outbound. That's, that's the biggest impact I've found of all of it. It's not even the inbound's great, but if you still, if you do it and you still value outbound engagements, now I don't, I don't call people, but I send voice notes, DMs, video messages. Exactly. You know, the response rate is incredible because they see you, they, they understand you. Like you say, they've built trust with you. And, and across our client base, that's what we're, we're working on is, is how do we take a, 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 an agency that have been traditionally reliant on outbound calls and have only ever used LinkedIn for searching and job posts and, and creating those mini desk universe characters that are each building a brand that co- collectively builds to the the, the, the the common brand of the agency. Because, the, the again, recruiters don't think like this, but marketers think personification. They think, how do we identify our ideal customer profile and how do we get in front of them from a marketing perspective? The problem we have in recruitment is always going to be the sheer volume of those profiles when you're working in an agency of complex teams and landscapes and locations is insane. Like I know 10-man bands that have 10 divisions in 10 locations in different industries, and one campaign will never satisfy. Exactly. So, yeah, because if you're working on construction and then you've got accounting and finance, how do you? How does your marketing team get in front of both of those parties? You, you can't with that one campaign. The only way is by training at a desk level. That's the only yeah. way having and having like anchored campaigns that that certain people can work on for this quarter and we're going to dedicate to the next group and another quarter or whatever. But there's there's uniform things you can tweak that each team can be running at the same time, like, you know, salary surveys, for example, they work because they're valuable and you can just change the data that's in them per, per team. But if you're talking about in like cutting edge innovation now for recruiters, it's about desk level Info, like ability to influence online and then th- there's another thing I, I want to know your opinion on this so you know one of the things about bigger corporations which we're starting to work with some bigger corporations uh, we're having some talks with some really big co- companies in the us and in the uk 
you know, some of them have these social media policies, don't they? Where they, they say, you know, you can only talk about the following things on LinkedIn and yeah. like they, they control what their teams are allowed to put out on a daily basis. And like, what's your thoughts on that? Well, my, my thoughts on that is if you, if you've got to have that policy, I don't know why you hire the people that you hire in the first place. And, and I think, you know, when I, when I look at, I mean, it's de- it depends what industry I guess you're in. If you're in financial industry, I can understand it because it's regulated. You know, if you're a financial advisor, but in, in recruiting, um, you know, I think you've got to trust your people. And I think you, you know, obviously if you, if you start training your people on how to do content, you want to monitor it. Um, but I, I think, you know, you hire people for, for a reason. And if you hire good people, you've got to trust them with the, with content. And I think, you know, obviously on Facebook and Instagram, it's a little bit different because obviously you can, the, the type of content is different, but we're talking about LinkedIn here. So I think everybody agrees, you know, there's, there's definitely, I think everybody kind of puts limits on themselves with LinkedIn. Most people do. So I think that that fear is just irrational. I think it's super old school. And I think if you're looking to attract like top up and comers and you're thinking 10 years into the future, um, you know, people use social media. And so you, you've got to accept that. And I, I think how you can attract really top players in, in the market nowadays is by having individuals within your company putting out content, because what it says to an onlooker is, wow, that's a cool company. Wow. I'd, I'd want to be a part of that organization. So I just, I just think it's old school. And I just think what's the worst that can happen? I mean, you even if the, even if, let's say the worst thing happened and they posted something that's really controversial and it goes viral you just got a ton of exposure at the very least. Uh, and, you know, if that happens, then obviously you can take corrective action. Um, but, uh, you know, I think let your people be be the people. And um, to me, that's attractive for attra- attracting top talent to your agency as well. Like if you want million dollar or million pound billers to come to your agency, the best way to do that is to look cool online. Like if I'm if I'm a top person, I'm going to do research on you. And if you've got an awesome podcast with really cool guests, that's attractive. If you've got awesome video content, that's attractive. If I go on there and I got this stale website and it just looks like everybody, you know, there's nothing online, that's a massive turnoff nowadays because people want to be part of innovation. They want to be part of something that's different and unique. And I think with content, you really get the opportunity to do that. And I think the more you monitor it, and the more you put restrictions, the less you're able to like let your people actually be your people, which is actually what does well on LinkedIn anyway. Um, you know, and I think I think we both know this, like the content that does well on LinkedIn, like the viral content or the content that gets tons of views, it's usually driven by the story of the individual that wrote it. Like if you look at every single viral post, it's a story that that person is telling. And so I think the better the better you can train your people to be natural storytellers around recruitment, the better your content's going to do, and you you're going to attract better candidates, uh, better recruiters, and um, you know, and you, you, your awareness is going to skyrocket. So to your point, if you've got ten recruiters on your team, all of them again a thousand views, that's ten thousand views a day, that's three million views in a year, and you, that's when you start. You, you have to look at the bigger picture, and then you do that for ten years. You know, you do that for two years, everybody in the industry is going to know who you are. It's it's just, it's a fact. And then then it starts to feed into the business development and you start getting inbound leads. So I say, let your people be your people. You know, if they uh, trust them, you know, that's why you hired them. And I, th- I think it's 
massive disservice to censor people in that way. No, I agree. I completely agree. A final interruption to today's episode to introduce Vincere. Vincere is the all-in-one CRM ATS platform built for the recruitment and staffing industry. Now, I first heard about these guys about a year ago. The amount of prospect recruitment agencies and clients I was working with that were telling me they were moving over to Vincere, I had to look into it. And what I found was a business that had a global reach um, with multiple offices around the world. So they've got this follow the sun methodology, which allows them to support recruitment businesses wherever you are and, have, and, and be in your time zone. But the technology that they've invested in um, is becoming a, a disruptor in the space. More and more recruitment businesses are, are doing this to give their, their recruiters a competitive advantage. They broke into the G2 crowd's momentum grid as a market leader based on their reviews from their customers. So the, the agencies that are using this platform are raving about it. Now, if you're a rag listener and you're thinking about changing CRM or you're a new business looking to launch with a new CRM, then I would get in touch with, the, with these guys because if you mention that you're a rag listener, they're doing an amazing deal. By visiting www.vincere.io forward slash rag, you can get an exclusive deal which offers two months completely free on a two-year commitment or three months completely free on a three-year commitment. This applies to all licenses that you've either signed up for now or that you'll add in the duration of the contract. So get on there and have a look. Finally, if you're listening to your recruiter and you're thinking, I want to move into a more of a business development role um, and I'd like to keep hold of my recruitment knowledge. Well, these guys are recruiting for a BD person, well, multiple roles in both Sydney and London right now. So if you've got a strong recruitment background, you want to move into BD and you want to work for a fast moving tech business that's helping people like you right now, then get in touch via their website because they're hiring today. Back to the show. It's interesting because, you know, we were kind of thinking the same things from across the world. And that was probably one of the reasons why I enjoyed my first interaction with you is that I felt like we, was, we saw things in the same way. We saw the same vision for the industry. So what, what was it that made you consider joining us? Because, you, you know, yeah. you've you just started in the new year with Oxo, leading our US business. What made you make, obviously, I, I've had those conversations, but what, why did you make that decision? Yeah, so the the kind of the business I'm I was running basically became like a ghost writing service. So I was writing content for people, and I love writing content. Uh, but try writing eighty LinkedIn pieces of content that are unique a week. That's a lot, and it was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. So, so I think the natural evolution of my business was to either find somebody operational or find somebody to partner with. And I did look, and I really couldn't find anyone, and so. You know, I mean, I've been listening to the rag for man at least 15, 16 months. Really, really right at that point that you did um, Adam Posner's live or he was on your podcast. That's when you got on my radar. And and so I would listen to the podcast all the time. And I think just hearing hearing the conversations that were going on, and then obviously you share a lot about your vision for recruiters in general, that shaped a lot of why why I did the things I did on, on LinkedIn. So for me, it was, ah, man, it's, it's so hard. It's like, it's, it's almost like, I think I, I had vision for you guys being in the U S like before we, we even talked, like I was like, Oh, if, if I was to partner with someone or be able to help them, I would love this situation. And I think when we had the conversation originally, you said, yeah, you know, we're maybe thinking about it. Obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic. So yeah, making a big change like this, it, it takes a lot. And, um, and so I, th I think, like you said, it's just like visions aligning. And 
you know, if I'm going to sell something, I want to sell something that I believe in. And, you know, I think this is also the power of podcasting. Like before we talked, I felt like I knew you because I've been listening to you for a year. Um, and, you know, that's huge because, you know, I'm in Chicago and you're in the UK and I feel like I know you, um, you know, and I talk to other people in the industry that over here that know you. And that's the power of podcasting. That's the power of content. Um, so I think it makes makes it makes sense. And I think when we had conversations, you know, sometimes you can have a conversation with someone and they're like, no, this is my way. This is my way. We're only doing it my way. And I think the unique thing with having a conversation with you is you're like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? So I feel like there's room for me to be involved and add uh, as well as learn a lot as well. So it's win-win, man. I mean, yeah, except, for the, except for the fact that you have that Man yeah, City yeah, shirt. You can't have everything, Joel. You can't have everything, can you? What, That's true. So what, what, what do you think? Like, So what's your vision of the difference between the US and the UK recruitment market right now? Like, what are the main things that are are, are different about the way that, that we work? I, th I think the UK in general is a culture. I think just technology wise, for example, you guys are just more advanced. So I remember because I'm from the UK, so I'd go over to the UK quite regularly and visit when I was younger. And I remember like cell phones is a great example. Yeah, yeah. You guys had camera phones. And in the US, we, we didn't have camera phones. I think we were two years behind the US. And so I think because maybe just because of where you're centrally located, I think the culture is always. I don't know, just more innovative and kind of open to newer ideas. And I think the challenge within the US is um, there's a lot of like really longstanding agencies that have done things for 20, 30, 40 years. And I think in America, there's just more, uh, there's more of a tradition based, it's more of a tradition based society. So people love tradition. They love doing things like the way they've always done them. Uh, so I think there's just that psychological thing more so in the UK. Um, or oh, sorry, more more than in, in the UK. So I think there's that difference. Um, but I will say, I mean, a lot of the conversations that I'm having right now, the pandemic is just, I mean, it's, I think globally, it, you know, whether you're in e-commerce, whether you're in, um, you know, manufacturing, whatever industry you're in, everybody is thinking about digital and it makes 100% sense. So I think, I think there's a lot of companies in the US that are just, are more open but as i'm having conversations um you can just tell just it's just more traditional over here and you gotta think over here too it's like fees are bigger as well there's a lot bigger fees so i think that kind of adds adds to and there's a lot of long-standing relationships over here as well so i think over here you know if you if you're smart in three to five years you can get like a really solid book of business and really good relationships and they do last a long time um so yeah i just yeah kind of look more old school so i don't know what do you what do you think i mean you've had you've had some conversations over here yeah i think i think the one thing i've i probably have more conversations with people going to the us from here and the attitude is very there's an excitement about going to the us from a british perspective because we you know just yesterday you know a client was saying now you get out there and people are working how they've always worked so we when we bring our attitude of no holes barred sales and a contingent but aggressive and then creating new solutions around it you know and we're very niche you know we focus on these roles and we've got another guy that focuses on that role and you said at the start you were quite generalist it seems like 
recruiting firms are a bit more generalist in, in, in some instances. You know, I feel like there's an excitement that we're going and we're, we're snapping up business fast from the UK. Um, with that, you know, you don't want to create a resentment in, in, in the US that we're just there to take the business. But it definitely is an exciting proposition for, for we've been tracking it for about two years. We've been watching clients that are going over there um, and, and working out what's going well, what's not going well. So it was always on our radar. But I always was confident that I'd, I always felt like I needed to find someone who could do the things I do there. So it's not about the Sean show, me being on in the US. And that's where, where you've come in, which is which is really exciting. What um what who do you think's doing well in the US? So what brands, what recruiters, who stands out from a content and and turning it into a successful business perspective? Who who could people in the U, UK or the US look out for as as, as strong brands to to keep an eye on? Man, that's a that's a really good that's a really great question. I think, I mean, I, I've been focused pretty internally as well. Um, so I've seen more people, more people popping up, but I think, and we, I know I've mentioned him a couple of times, but Adam Posner, I think he's somebody who from like a content machine standpoint, he is the person that I would be trying to model things after. I don't necessarily agree with all of, all of his strategy in terms of his full approach. But I think if you look at how he runs his podcast, um, and then how he takes that pod podcast content and recycles it. He's really, really smart. And he, you know, he comes from a really strong marketing background. So based on his background and experience, I would, he would be the person that I try and follow the most if I, if I was starting out. Um, and then, yeah, there's a guy, there's a guy over here uh, called David Steven Patterson. I don't know if you, you're aware of him. DSP, he goes by. He's He's got some really good content as well. Um, so, yeah, I think, man, it's it's so hard because it's just not, my focus hasn't necessarily been like other, other people as well. But I think what I am seeing now is more and more recruiters popping up uh, with, with content and, you know, podcasts as well. So I think, I think we're just going to see more and more uh more and more people but i think in general with with content i think everybody's kind of modeling you know a lot more people are modeling guys like gary v grant cardone i mean those are the those are the guys who are are laying the foundation you know for people to come under and understand like how you how you get content and how you use it for, for brand um and i'm also seeing a lot more podcasts show up as well and i think everyone i talk to who has a podcast they're using it for business development. Um, I think the biggest area of improvement I see for most people is they're, they're too one dimensional with the podcast. So they're either seeing it as just business development and then they're not using the content. Um, and I think that's why you guys, you guys do a really good job with that because you, you, you don't just use a podcast for, you know, building relationships and you're using it for content as well. And so I think if you're not doing that, and you're not missing, you know, you're missing that. I think that's, that's the advice I, I give people. And then people, as far people never want to come on your show, if they think it's just your business development and they never hear about it. Whereas, you know, we get approached daily from, from people about being on the show. Um, and it's because they've, you know, they see what we're doing and they see the, well, you, en you enjoy it too. And I think that's the, uh, I think the piece, the biggest piece I think for everybody with this is, if you go into content and you're just thinking, Hey, I'm going to check off the boxes. You failed right from the get go. And, and so I cringe when I hear, when I am with a prospect and they say, yeah, we just talked to this marketing company and they're going to do, do for, you know, 
thousand dollars a month they're gonna they're gonna handle all three of our socials i'm like you might as well take that thousand dollars and burn it because the content's gonna be so bad and i think the people that fall in love and it doesn't there's there's so many different types of content because some people might fall in love with blogs if you fall in love with blogs then write a lot of blogs if you fall in love with video then double down on video if you love these interview style podcasts and do a live stream podcast and I think, but it's, you've got to enjoy it because if you, if you set up a podcast or a live stream and you're just flat and Hey, how's it going? It's like, that's terrible too. So to your point, I think you have to enjoy, you have to figure out like what type of content do I enjoy? And the best way to look at that is like, what kind of content do I consume and then start doing that. And, uh, and then I think the up and coming thing right now, guys, is Clubhouse. That's uh, Clubhouse is what what I think is going to be. I think we're going to see a lot of people emerging on that platform pretty quickly, and we're already seeing that. Um, and I think that's another great opportunity that you know if, I'm already seeing people from the UK on that platform, and I think that's gonna that's gonna change things. And I think it's actually going to level the the field in some ways. Uh, but you need a strategy, and I think that's the big piece that I see is like you've got to have you got to have a clear strategy with what you're doing and you're approaching these things. Uh, but you've also got to, it's got to come organically. You've got to enjoy it. And, you know, and at the same time, you know, it's, a, it's a challenge when you first start. So that's why I'm excited about working with you guys. Cause I'm looking at like the R Academy, for example, if am I look at myself, I would have accelerated where I'm at right now. If I had had a program, like if my recruitment agency had said, Hey, Joel, are you interested in doing this eight week program to learn like actually how to do this stuff? I would have done it in a heartbeat because the amount of time that it takes to learn what works and what doesn't, Oh yeah, you know, and then managing a full desk and then managing, you know, current clients. It's, it's a lot. So I think that, to, that to me is exciting. And I think having that strategy is a key if you, if you want to be successful with it. And, uh, and I think trying new stuff out, you know, both done it as well that's the difference like you know we're not just selling something that we don't do like you know i've lived i've been a recruiter and i've lived this journey for four years that the, the the foundation of the academy came from my, my own learnings and the shit that took me four years to figure out and there's a lot in there like you know the funny thing how is many, when I, how many times would you say you've posted over the last four years i'd Thousands. say i'd say about a thousand at least i'd say about 250 times a year minimum i think last year i did about 400 I got that email from LinkedIn. I did about 400 posts. So probably that was the biggest year of content. So at least, at least a thousand, 1200 times, you know? Um, and, and I don't, I just don't miss days. Like I wake up and I plan my stuff on a Sunday. That's my day. So every, every Sunday, 8am, I sit with a coffee. I tell the dog to shut up, even though he doesn't understand English yet. Um, and, uh, and I sit there and I, and I, and I plan out what I'm going to do. And sometimes I'll record a video or find a video um, that we've already got, and I'll, you know, I'll be watching old YouTube clips and things that we've got, um, and I'm, I'm thinking, right, what, what do I want to talk about? So, and I leave room because things can happen in the week that change everything, and you know, I might wake up in the morning and something, I feel something or have a conversation, but usually, I plan five days worth of content on a Sunday. So, realistically, for me on a on a weekday, I just copy and paste it like I get it out I don't I don't spend hours I, I spend I'm now spending you know a couple of hours on LinkedIn engaging more than I ever did because I feel like now you need to do it even more than you did before because of the amount of attention and, and competition on the platform but yeah if you if you're planning ahead it's really you know it's like anything it's, 
plan to fail, fail to plan, plan to fail. That's how I look at it. Um, and then you, you will have ideas on the fly every single day as well. Um, it is, I mean, Clubhouse is something that, you know, we're going to start looking at it together and, and what we can do from for Hoxo. Um, it's interesting. I'm, I'm watching more than I'm engaging with it now um, at the moment. And I'm finding it's just quite funny to see the frantic nature of people. Oh, I know. It's, you know? it's, it's, look, I mean, in social media, clout comes, clout goes. It's those that are in it for the marathon. Those are the ones that win. So, I'm, I've seen, I know people. I mean, I, I talked with a guy yesterday. He's like, he was on there in a, in, for a week and he got 8,000 followers. And we're wow. just kind of la laughing about it because he's on LinkedIn. He's got like about 5,000 followers and a good guy. And, and, uh, and we just, I was just laughing. I was like, it's so funny because at the end of the day, with a platform like that, you know, following counts just not going to matter. What you say in really short spurts is what's going to matter and how much credibility you have. And if you get 20,000 followers, but you just don't know anything, like you know people are going to listen to you and after in six months time they're going to unfollow you because they're gonna be like what is this guy even talking about so it's a unique platform and i think everybody's looking at it like you know tiktok you know whatever two years ago where it's like oh, i could have 100 million followers and it's just not that type of platform it's it's um it's audio so for anyone who doesn't know it's like an audio based uh platform it's almost like being part of an interactive podcast so you have people that lead a room. You can put your hand up and you can engage, and um, it's a very it's a, a very interesting idea for for content because it's not based on you can't hide behind you know fancy images. You can't hide behind good looks. It's literally based on what you have to say and how well and how much you know. And so if you, I'm in some of the LinkedIn rooms, for example, uh, and you know it's it's just it'd be really clear for people to know if I didn't know what I was talking about, because if they asked me a question, I just wouldn't have an answer in the moment yeah. uh, consistently. And uh, so I, but I think there's a lot of application for, for recruiters in that in, in the future. And I think it's going to push us to, like you said in the beginning, it's like you can be a recruiter for 10 years and not know anything. Um, and so I think it's going to push us to really learn about the industries that we're in and like, just get better. And uh and it's, and it's and I think it's going to weed out people as well, especially on social media, because there's a lot of people that have bought into buying followers, just, you know, kind of virality and, and all this sort of stuff. But in the long term with all of this, it's it's not what happens in a month or two months. It's like, where are you at years from now, 5, 10, 15? And I think if you just pace yourself and you're slow with it and you focus on quality, you focus on impact and relationships you do well on social media and it, it's like followers matter. I, I, I actually think they board it out because I think we've, we've messed up with followership and what it means and social media, when it was created, it was like Facebook was created for connection. LinkedIn was created for connection and like whatever, five years ago, suddenly it turned into influence and followers and all this sort of stuff. Um, and that's kind of happening on LinkedIn as well, but it's about, how quick can you turn an online conversation into a real life collaboration or relationship? And I think that's a skill set which you know we're all learning as well. And you could do that through content, but it happens through engaging as well. So be interesting to see what happens with that platform. It's exciting. Well, Joe, I love it. We've got a big 2021 ahead. I'm delighted to have you, apart from that disgusting top you're wearing, which you won't. <laughs> Um, Amber's actually commented on LinkedIn Live, my business partner, saying, big fan of that top, Joel. Good I know man. 
another awful Liverpool fan that I have to deal with on a daily basis. But that's just, you know, feel, feel sorry for me all you want. Um, but Joel, we, um, you know, we're really excited to have you on board. Um, it's uh, it's insane what you've done on LinkedIn in the last year. I've watched your your climb is is incredible. Um, you know, let's see what what this year what you, this year brings. If anyone's listening and wants to reach out and just ask you any questions regarding Hoxo or not, um, LinkedIn best place potentially Clubhouse. Now they can they can listen to one of your rooms, get involved. I yeah, I would say LinkedIn. If you're gonna reach out, you know, just put a personal message saying hey. Because I, I think right now I got three thousand invitations in the in the inbox, and just put a personal message. Saw you on uh, on the rag. Got some questions. Twitter is a good place to reach me too, because I'm not that big on there. Instagram also is good, and then yeah, Clubhouse Daily. I'm on there. I run. I'm part of a LinkedIn Mastery um, session where it's really cool. You know, you just can get on stage and ask questions. And then I do I do one in, in the morning as well. So I'm kind of in and out of that platform, but it's just Joel Algy. If you Google me, I'm the only Joel Algy in the world, so that makes it easy. And, um, you know, just reach out. And then joel at hoxomedia.com if you've got questions. And, uh, yeah, I think we're going to we're gonna take the U.S. by storm. And I think, what is it? Is it tomorrow or Thursday that you're on my podcast? So I'm excited about it. Tomorrow is Thursday, Joel. So. <laughs> that's, how, that's how crazy 2021 is. It's one. It's two thirty p.m. I don't. I think it's like breakfast where you are. But um, yeah, tomorrow night UK time. I think eight p.m. or seven p.m. I'm on your live show. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll reverse the questions. Um, we won't wear this again. I'll try no, and check. No. I'll find something better to wear. Um, but uh, always a pleasure, mate. Thank you for joining us. We'll get yeah, you back. Great to we'll be involved in some more episodes. Um, yep. A nice little message from Grace Rains. Yeah. The both of you that was really helpful in the session no problem thank you grace thanks grace anyone else who's listening live on linkedin um and if you've not connect connect with us both ask us any questions um i'll be back again 1 30 next week next week i am excited right i'm joined by james brown the founder and ceo of storm 2 storm 2 started in the middle of 2019 having with the, the the guys that left Faden international so Faden are one of the fastest growing brands in the, in the uk history they went from like one guy Adam Book to over 800 staff in like 10 Whoa. years super aggressive brand like eight brands around the world like I interviewed some of their leaders and I was like there's a there's an energy about these guys anyway Storm 2 is like the second iteration of the leadership team and he's so James has handpicked people from Faden Adam Book who was the founder is now on board as a chairman um and they're they're over 50 staff in a year and a half they're going to be they're hiring 120 people this year um they're, they're launching a multiple brands. I think Storm 3, Storm 4, Storm 5 are the next brands. Um, it's insane what this guy's doing, what he's throwing at it. He's got like institutional investment. Um, so next uh, Wednesday at 1.30 on LinkedIn Live, me and James Brown are going to chew the fat about how you grow an, a modern recruitment agency at pace. Which that is uh, awesome. For some people, that's what it's all about. But um, if, you're, uh, if you're listening on, 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 the YouTube, on YouTube or on the podcast, Please do um, leave your comments, give us a rating. Um, if you if you have if you've enjoyed today's show and you think there's more people in our sector in your network that would benefit from myself and Joel's information, then please share the show, WhatsApp, text, email, whatever. Get it out. More people that will listen um, together. We're going to have a stronger industry. This, you know, if you if you see yourself as a modern recruiter uh, and you know modern recruiters, get them on this show. If if you're not, then I, I don't think this is the place for you. Leave it. Go listen to something else. Um, I'll be back again next week. 
in the meantime, stay safe. I'll see you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Hoxo Media. We are the world's number one inbound marketing agency exclusively focused on helping the recruitment industry. Myself and my business partner started the business in 2017, having been recruiters for seven years before. We felt that the recruitment industry back then needed to change and that marketing was going to play a huge role in the way that new and existing recruitment organizations won business and stood out in such a crowded marketplace. In three years, we've now worked with over 200 organizations around the world. We reach a huge audience with both this podcast and content online and we have over 55 recruitment agencies right now we're managing the marketing for so that involves strategy content creation distribution systems process and leads generated having been recruiters and marketeers we can not only build your brand but we're also able to connect it to your sales team and ensure that leads are generated as a result of marketing. There's a clear ROI that leads to sales activity. But we also understand recruitment businesses. That's small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses in all sectors. We understand you, we've done the job, and we can build campaigns that are super relevant to what you need as a business right now. We've also recently launched the Hoxo Academy, which is designed to help recruitment owners, recruiters, and marketeers learn from the work that we do so that you can action some of this stuff in-house on your own. The Academy has been launched in May 2020 and has already had an amazing uh, response from the market and it's only going to grow one way. So if you're interested in either having Hoxo support, you build your marketing as a, as a supplier that acts as part of your team, or you want to be trained by us on how to do it yourself, then get in touch. Visit www.hoxomedia.com and register your interest on our homepage. We will then get back to you within 24 hours and arrange uh, an introductory call. Thanks again for listening to this show. Every single one of you means so much and we will see you again soon.